Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Well, I did not see that coming, and I don't think a lot of America saw that fourth quarter coming last night for the Boston Celtics and really more for the Golden State Warriors. What's up? It's Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. It is Carlin and Canty, Canty and Carlin. Chris and Chris in this morning. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, you know what, Carlin? I don't know what I'm more surprised at. The comeback by the Boston Celtics in the fourth quarter or Max Kellerman this morning deciding he was going to wear capris? We will get to the mystery of that decision in just a little bit. More questionable than anything we saw coaching-wise last night. We will also get into whether or not last night actually changed your opinion of what's going on in this series. But for right now, let's just get it rolling. Here we go! Only one place to start. Ten seconds to go in the game. Sam Hauser gets it into the front court. The final seconds will tick down as the Boston Celtics come up with a 40-point fourth quarter and a stunning double-digit comeback to rally and win game one of the NBA Finals on the road. Celtics take it. 120 to 108 over the Golden State Warriors. Let's call it what it was. Absolutely shocking to see that unfold the way it did last night in the fourth quarter. All the credit to the Celtics, and all of this happened when Jason Tatum had an off night shooting the basketball. But boy, he did everything else, didn't he? He assisted on 35 points last night for the Celtics and played terrific defense and Chris, as we get to the Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, I'm just blown away, never saw that coming, and I think more importantly, the Golden State Warriors never saw that coming. No, how could they? I mean, they were cruising at the end of the third quarter, they had a lead as big as 15, and if Steph Curry knocks down that three-pointer late, you're talking about them being able to push that lead to 18, but if you fast forward, you got... Uh, a, a turnover by Golden State that led to a Jalen Brown layup. And then you're talking about Derek White sinking two free throws. So there's a seven-point swing that keeps the Celtics within striking distance. I want to say it was a 12-point deficit going into the thir- going into the fourth quarter. And then Jalen Brown at the start of the fourth quarter, he had a moment. I yeah. mean, it was as if he looked at Jason Tatum and said, this guy is not having his night. I got to be the guy to step up. And he did so. He assisted or scored on all 12 of those buckets as the Celtics opened the fourth quarter on a 12-2 run. And I thought that was huge for them, not only from a momentum standpoint, but from a confidence standpoint, getting those role players involved, Peyton Pritchard, Marcus Smart, but then also Al Horford. How great was he in the fourth quarter? Amazing. To me, that was the difference in the game. And then you also have to give Ime Adoka some credit in that because he took Robert Williams off the court, Carlin, and he put in Al Horford at the center spot, even though he's undersized going up against Kevon Looney. 
But the Celtics had five shooters on the court at one time. Yes, they did. They were able to space the floor. They got a lot of dribble penetration. Then they were able to kick out for open shots at three. There's a reason why they set an NBA Finals record with nine three-point makes in the fourth quarter. There's a reason why that happened. They got a lot of open looks, and guys knocked them down. Steve Kerr, what happened? Well, give them credit. I mean, they made 21 threes. Um, you know, they were moving the ball really well. And uh, they, they had us on our heels. They made a, a good push, you know, to start the fourth. And they kept that momentum going. Um, it's going to be it's going to be tough, uh, you know, to 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 beat Boston if, if they're making 21 threes and they're getting, you know, a combined 11 from you know, Horford and White. Um, you know, the, those guys um, give them credit. They knocked down every big shot in the fourth quarter. Um, they Boston was uh, just played a brilliant quarter, and they they came in and earned the win. You listen to Steve Kerr right there. The undertone is, I can't believe Derek White and Al Horford just beat us, and they not just beat us, they embarrassed us in the fourth quarter. And for me, as much as it was about the Celtics going and winning that game, I think the Warriors at the end of three were very comfortable with where they were. They were feeling themselves a little bit. After the Celtics had played a kind of subpar first half and were still leading, they felt like they had taken control in that third quarter. And it's almost as if they went a little bit to sleep and this barrage just came out of nowhere and they got blitzed. And when Derek White and Al Horford are the guys that are beating you, you almost have to live with it a little bit because Jason Tatum didn't do anything. It's not like the defensive strategy is going to change here and they're going to go and double those guys here going into the next game. Yeah, I don't know if you can live with uncontested three-pointers because a lot of those threes that they made in the fourth weren't contested. You're talking about them shooting 75% from three Mm -hmm. and shooting 68% from the field. The defense needs to be better. They got to tighten up the defense, but then the thing that does support your take in terms of the Warriors being a little bit laxed Boston Celtics scored 10 points off of turnovers from Golden State. That can't happen if you're trying to win an NBA Finals game against a team that's battle-tested. Think about the road that Boston came through. A seven-game war against the Milwaukee Bucks. A seven-game war against the Miami Heat. Clearly, they're used to being in those intense back-and-forths with teams. Uh, okay, but they're back-and-forths, but they, they, it's not like they were tight games or anything like that. They, those were 20-point games either way. They, they had intensity but they weren't all tight games by any stretch. Well, I'll say this. I, I think in some of the losses that Boston had, those were closer games than the Boston wins. And so I will say this. Boston is used to being in that situation where, where they've got to ratchet up the intensity and they've got to try to find a way to respond when they've reached some adversity in a game. But we they're, talked they're, yesterday. That's, that's, that's talk- not uncommon for Boston. No, but we talked yesterday about the fact that they haven't done that that well in the postseason, that in these tight Well, they games- haven't done that that well in the regular season, in the regular season. In the postseason, maybe a little bit of a different animal in terms of them giving more of a response, maybe not getting the result that they're looking for, but last night was an example of those guys being able to make shots and Ime Adoka putting them in positions where they can have success. Okay, but they were more in a position before where they would respond better game to game. We talked about them losing yes. and then how they would respond the next game. Yeah, We discussed yesterday, and I was very concerned about how they would respond in the moment. Would they be able to get past it in the moment? And that, to me, I mean, we had, uh, as Kevin Durant tweeted out during the fourth quarter, we had some high-quality basketball in those first five, six minutes of the fourth quarter before it got away from the 
uh, Warriors in that mm-hmm, game. Mm-hmm. I was surprised that the Celtics were as comfortable in that moment because the really the only time that we have seen them look all that comfortable in that moment in the postseason is game one of the net series. The, other than that, a lot of these wins, they haven't been tight wins for Boston. No, they haven't been tight wins, but I go back to game three in the Eastern Conference Finals against Miami, and you're talking about Boston being down by as many as 26 points and rallying back. Now, they came up short because of Max Struess burying that three late, but Boston came back and made that a one-possession game. I mean, having that experience, knowing that you're capable of being able to come back from a double-digit deficit, that bodes well for you moving forward. I keep saying this all the time, big fella. Confidence comes from demonstrated performance. Having done it, even though they didn't get the win, Mm -hmm. gives them confidence that they can come back against a really good team, against a worthy opponent, and have the kind of results that they're looking for. And last night, they were able to have that breakthrough. And it wasn't the guys that you would think in terms of being the catalyst for that breakthrough. It was the others. It was Peyton Pritchard. It was Al Horford. It was Marcus Smart with a couple of big threes in the fourth quarter. Derek White, how great was he? He was unreal. I mean, the guy guy made some ridiculous shots. And here's the thing. All of his three points makes, they weren't uncontested. There was one where Steph Curry was in perfect position in the fourth quarter. Didn't matter. Derek White knocked it down from 27 feet. Like, the guy was unconscious last night. Here is Steph on the defense really lacking against some of those threes besides the one that you're speaking of in the fourth. I mean, rotations might have been a little slow. You obviously have to pick and choose where you send attention. Jalen and Jason have the ball in their hands a lot, and they try to create confusion with pick and rolls, putting a lot of different people in them. And Al was spaced, you know, most of the game. And, um, you know, when he's making shots like that and you're you're slow to rotate, it's just another threat that you got to worry about. And obviously, you know, 26 points, six for eight, like that's, uh, that's tough. And even Derek you know, scoring 20-plus and five threes. So those two guys are key. And you hope they don't stay that hot, but you also have to do something about it, and we got to figure that out and watch film, uh, you know, tomorrow and Saturday. And, and look, I'm more likely to believe that Horford could have the much bigger consistent impact on this series offensively than White, even though White was terrific last night. I just think overall, though, uh, when you're the Warriors and you find yourselves there, and that is more than more than anything else, just a blitz at you in the fourth quarter. That's got to be a major, major wake up call for a team that I just think felt entirely too comfortable at the end of three. Well, Carlin, we saw something last night that we've never seen in NBA Finals history. You're talking about a team that has a double digit deficit going into the fourth quarter and winning by double digits. Yeah, and just winning the game is the first time that's happened in 40 years in the finals. It's literally never happened before. 30 years. So if you're Golden State, you have to really be concerned. The other thing that that gives you a little cause for pause if you're on the Warriors bandwagon is Jason Tatum had a bad game. I mean, I I understand the 13 assists and Mm -hmm. him finding a way to be a playmaker when that's really not his M.O., um, when he didn't have his shot going. I I thought that's an incredible job by him. It's, it's having that awareness that you need as a superstar player. But nonetheless, Jason Tatum did not play well. And, and the Golden State Warriors lost that game. Tatum is good for one of those games every single series. And we've seen that yep. throughout this postseason. Absolutely. He's good for one of those games. Yep. But here's what happens after he has those games, Carlin. In the, in the three games following a game where Jason Tatum scores less than 20 points, 
he's averaging over 31 points on 47% shooting. And the best part about that, if you're the Boston Celtics, over that, over that three-game span, they've won two games over those three-game spans. So I'm just saying, if you're Golden State, you have to be a little bit concerned because you weren't able to take advantage of the off night from Jason Tatum. I think it's a fair point. The Warriors are still capable of winning if Tatum has a good night. I, I, I'm not going to say I, they're not capable of winning, but yeah. Tatum having a good night is a pretty good indicator Look, for success game. for Boston. You want to get that game last night when he has his off night. And that's why I think when you listen to Kerr, like there is a little bit of disbelief of like, we did that with Tatum, and this is what happens. Like Almost disbelief, not that those guys beat them necessarily, but that we let them beat us. And, and that's got to be bothersome. Well, it's something that's different. I don't think that Golden State anticipated Derek White going off for, what, 21 points. So, I no, mean, I, I mean that, no. that's a, you don't anticipate Al Horford dropping 26. You just don't. But, I mean, those guys stepping up and making plays is what sometime is necessary in order to win in an NBA Finals. We keep talking about the unsung heroes. Last night, you had a couple of unsung heroes for Boston step up. You got to have that if you're going to win a championship. We're going to hear so much more from postgame last night on the way. Also on the way in just moments, we will get into whether this really changes anything in the outlook of this series. But we want to know from you what last night did to really change your outlook on this series, if it did, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. This has been Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. So, in just moments, does this change anything? And now, it may seem like an obvious question, but is it really? Is Game 2 now a must-win for the Golden State Warriors? We load up on your calls. Hit the lines right now at 888-SAY-ESPN-GREENY. Presented by Progressive Insurance. Your small business keeps you on the go. Progressive Commercial Insurance keeps your policy within reach with our easy-to-use mobile app. Learn more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. We're just getting rolling. GREENY on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Crowd starting to head to the exits here at Chase Center. Tatum working time at half court, pass to Smart, wheels and fires. Brown dishes to Horford at the cup, scored and won. Emblematic of a fourth quarter domination by the Celtics here in San Francisco. Wow. Al Horford, one of the few Celtics that was in the zone last night. In the zone is brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Canty and Carlin in for Grinny on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Before we get back to the uh, basketball from last night for a second, we do have a little bit of breaking news. 
And that is the Phillies have just fired Joe Girardi, their manager. Phillies are 22 and 29 and spending $230 million. So Joe Girardi out after two months of the season. Yeah, that's a little bit of a surprise, Carlin. I, I understand it because you have such an investment in that roster and you thought that when they signed Bryce Harper a few years ago, that was going to be the turning point in terms of the Phillies being consistently competitive. But now they find themselves, what, nine and a half games behind the NL East leading New York Mets? Yep. And we're not even at the All-Star break? It, it almost feels like that that's an insurmountable lead. So I know we got a lot of baseball to play. But there is a degree of urgency down there in Philly. The only question that I would have is, with the bullpen that the Phillies have, Ugh. what do you expect Joe Girardi to do? And, and, How are you going to hang on to a lead with that crew? It is, it is they, awful. They, they have the 21st ranked bullpen ERA in Major League Baseball. And that you, ain't getting nothing done in terms of being able to hold on, hold on to leads and close out games. And when you told me it was 21st, I was shocked that it was that good. It could have been lower, right? Yeah, I <laughs> it thought it would be lower. much, much worse than that. So yeah. their, their bench coach, Rob Thompson, is going to manage for the rest of the year. Good luck, Rob. Yeah. Yeah. Godspeed. Yeah. Because when you put that hand up, making the signal to the bullpen, you may as well turn it into just praying for whoever is coming in at that point. I feel like you have to invoke Mad Men now that the new manager is named Rob. Not great, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to the state of the bullpen, not great, Bob. <laughs> not great. Canty and Carlin for Grinny on ESPN Radio. So we both picked the Warriors in this series. I picked them in six. You picked them in seven. Does anything from what you saw last night change your mind about the outcome of this series eventually and also just where this is all headed? Uh, the thing that changed my mind, the thing that happened that changed my mind is the adjustment that Ime Adoka made in the fourth quarter by pulling Robert Williams off the court because we felt like the frontline size was going to be hard for Golden State to overcome, but it became obvious through the first three quarters that Robert Williams wasn't going to be the X factor that we all anticipated he would be. But the guy that was was Al Horford, so making the decision – to go with Al Horford at the five and to have five shooters on the court, five guys that can consistently knock down shots from behind the three-point line, I thought that made a difference in terms of being able to space the floor, being able to get dribble penetration, break the defense down off the bounce for kickouts for open looks. I thought that was the biggest difference because, you know, nine of those 12 three-pointers that they took, a lot of those were uncontested. And so when you got guys in that moment, it, it can be tough to convert and get baskets, but when you got open looks, it makes it that much easier for your role players to make an impact. So to me, the thing that, that changed in my mind is the Boston Celtics being at a deficit as far as their head coach is concerned. Because everybody came into this thinking that Steve Kerr is going to be this huge coaching advantage for the Golden State Warriors, and it just did not bear itself out that way. And then you look at Steve Kerr's NBA Finals record, when the Golden State Warriors lose when they get to the NBA Finals under him, it's been to rookie head coaches. You know, it happened to Nick Nurse. You know what I'm saying? That, yeah. that, that, that's the situation. So, so I, I, don't, I, don't necessarily, I don't necessarily look at Golden State and say they've got this huge coaching advantage over the Boston Celtics no. just because of the, the, the moves that we've seen Ime Adoka make throughout the postseason, but also what he did last night. Yeah, and, and the experience factor, you know, that, that's kind of gone out the window a little bit. The idea about the – Finals experience that the players had and the coach had, for that matter, over Boston, that went away quickly. And I can't say enough about what Adoka's done this year, not just from X's and O's and making adjustments, but the true belief that the players have in 
in what he's doing. We discussed this a little bit last week, that he can openly go after them as they're coming to the bench, and they're listening. It's not tuning them out and going on and on and, and just, you know, getting your towel and relaxing during a timeout. He has their attention, and he also has their respect, and that's exceptionally impressive for a guy that's in his first year as a head coach. But, you know, from all accounts, it comes from the respect that he had around the league. Now, to the bigger question. Well, hold on. I want to say, I want to say something because you're talking about him having the respect of the players. How that also matters and how it also manifests itself yeah. is him making a decision to sit certain guys in key moments. Well, Marcus, Marcus Smart, Smart played, played, less, he played less than three minutes in the fourth quarter. Yeah. He played Derek White 11 minutes in the fourth quarter. That's heavy minutes for a guy that's coming off of the bench. I mean, Ime Adoka actually trusts his eyes in terms of what he's seeing. He played Peyton Pritchard. Peyton Pritchard, a guy that's not consistently in the rotation in the postseason, paid him eight and a half minutes in the fourth quarter of an NBA Finals game. He's, here's having, what we're saying. having the ability to trust his eyes yeah. and having the trust of the players to know that this is in our best interest in clutch time – that matters to me, Colin. That's when the personal relationships matter, but also the head coach's at basketball acumen it's the and feel. trusting his instincts, having the feel of it. Having we talk about it a game. lot in baseball, feeling the heartbeat of the game. Yep. That's exactly what you saw in the fourth quarter from Ime Adoka. Totally agree. Totally agree about that. But as far as it changing anything that I feel about the outcome of this series, it changes really nothing. I still think that the Warriors are the better team And as much as uh, we discussed a few minutes ago how the Celtics uh, really took over in the fourth quarter, I have to look at that as two things. Number one, an aberration. The fact that they went and outscored me by 24 points in the fourth quarter, I mean, that is the worst fourth quarter that they have ever had under Steve Kerr, regular season or postseason. So I have to treat that as a little bit of an aberration. But secondly, and perhaps more importantly, I have to treat it as a really big wake-up call, as an understanding, and and I don't get the feeling from you that you feel this way as much as I do, Mm. that the Warriors were feeling themselves a little bit after three. I, I don't get the sense that you think the same thing, and tell me if I'm wrong, because I saw a team at the end of three that looked exceptionally comfortable and just felt like they were going to run away with it in the fourth quarter and put it put it away for good and end up winning that game by 16 to 20. Well, I didn't feel that way. I, I thought it was a team that looked a little bit gassed. And Mark Jackson made the point on the broadcast, the overall physicality that the Boston Celtics play with on the defensive end is not something that Golden State is accustomed to. The other thing that I think is noteworthy Golden State didn't get the bunnies at the rim that they're used to getting. Yeah. Like most teams, when they extend their defense in the half court, Golden State is able to take advantage with backdoor cuts and being able to get into the paint and dominate. Last night, the Golden State Warriors, what, 26 points in the paint to the Boston Celtics 34? That, that's not something that Golden State is used to. So well, I, think that, count I, I think I think that's one of those things that you have to look at and say, this is where the Boston Celtics defensive prowess shows up making them work for every single bucket that they get. No gimmies, no easy baskets. And once we got into that fourth quarter, the age of Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Klay Thompson showed up. Even though they were by far the more rested team in this situation, they're an older team. They're a more veteran-laden team. Also, playing Andre Ugadala in the fourth quarter, that's another guy that's got a lot of miles on him. 
I, I, I just – it looked like the Boston Celtics, from an energy standpoint, from an intensity standpoint, had another gear that Golden State wasn't ready to match. And we have brought this up before. For everybody that just thinks that Golden State wins by shooting the three, that's not how they win games. No, no. And this is, to the point of, of not getting to the rim, 45 of their shots were from three last night. It, believe it or not, that's not exactly – what they want to do no. to have their level of success. So how exactly are the Warriors supposed to stop that kind of a run? Here's Clay Thompson. Just uh, trusting each other on both sides of the ball. You know, I missed some rotations. We just got to be better as, as far as being on the strength together and moving and hitting the open man. Uh, it was a tough loss, especially the way we did lose, you know, squandering a 15-point lead. Very, very rare for us. So it's not the end of the world, and we'll uh, regroup tomorrow. And we'll bring a much better effort on Sunday. I fully expect the Warriors to respond, and I'm not backing off six, even though the Celtics looked as impressive as they did last night. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Nature Valley has helped restore access to 10,000 miles of national park trails and counting because everyone deserves to experience what's out there. Like your kids, their kids, even their kids' kids. So head over to your local park trail to see for yourself. Nature Valley, life happens out there. Did last night change anything for you? Let's hit the calls. We'll start with Matt on Greeny on ESPN Radio. Matt, anything changed for you last night off of what the Celtics did? Absolutely not. Um, So two things. I always feel like the media, and I'm not saying you guys, but there's always overreaction when a team that's not expected to win wins a game like this. There's always overreaction, right? So to the second thing would be the year 2000. Philly beats the Lakers game one. Hmm. Lakers come back and beat them in five. 2004, the Pistons lose to the Lakers in game one, beat them in five or six. 2012, the Heat lose to the Thunder in game one, win in five. 2022, the Warriors lose to the Celtics, Game one, what happens from here is yet to be determined. I do think the Celtics were impressive. However, there is absolutely zero reason to believe that the the Warriors are not going to win this series. Thank you, fellas. I I think there's – Look, well, we, well, well, we first of all, first of all, be... first of all, this Boston Celtics team is, yeah. is not the Pistons. No, it's not, it's, it's and a, it's not those Sixers it's not in two thousand. This, this is a different team. Yeah, that was a Sixers team that had Allen Iverson, and that was it. Yeah, and this, Aaron this, McKee. This, this is a this is a different team. Okay, yeah. so we have to acknowledge much more that. talented. Even oh. I'll say that. Also, the thing that we've got to factor in is how good Boston is after losses. Yeah, Bo- Boston since the calendar flipped over to twenty twenty two is fourteen and three after losses. They just stole home court in game one. So if that record holds serve in the NBA Finals, you're talking about the Boston Celtics being able to win this series. So, I mean, that's the thing. I I think this is going to be a long series. I felt that way before game one last night. I still feel that way. I'm not jumping off of the Golden State train right just yet, but I will say this is probably going to be a little more closely contested than a lot of people thought it would. I'll say this. The experience factor is something that's also noteworthy because you don't typically see a team that has as much experience as Golden State does going up against a team that's 
inexperienced yeah. when it comes to the NBA Finals. I want to say Golden State has 123 games yes. of combined NBA Finals experience going up against a team that had zero games yep. of NBA Finals games experience and a head coach that doesn't have any NBA Finals game experience. So, I, to me, to have that kind of disparity and to see Boston take game one, even though they only had three days rest when you're comparing the seven games rest, seven days rest that the, the Golden State Warriors had, to me, that, that was a shock. Well, the experience went out the window last night. Yeah. It, it went out the window completely. Yeah. Trotsky in Alabama is up next. Trotsky, what's up with you on this series? How you, what are you thinking here? Hey, how you doing, fellas? At, at first, I always had Boston going at seven. But as I watched that series last night, there was a game last night, fellas, I think uh, the, the Golden State is in real trouble because if you look at the game, don't you think, like, Styles makes fight? And uh, Boston looks like a, a younger, more physical version of that 2015 uh, Golden State team. They're, they're, they're talented and they're deep. They're talented, they're deep, but as much as I look at the talent and depth, I still believe that Golden State has more of each. Now, having said all that, they better win Sunday. Golden State better win Sunday. You cannot go to Boston down two games to none, and win this series. Yeah, this is not last year's NBA Finals where you can no. go down in a hole by two games and then expect to rattle off the and next And at least four. Milwaukee was going home. Well, yeah, that that, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, with, with with Phoenix going up 2-0, they, they went up 2-0 in their home court. If you're Golden State and you drop the first two games at home and then you're expected to win, what, four out of the next five games in the series, I, I just don't see that happening against a team – that's as good defensively as Boston is. Now, Boston has not been locked down at home by any stretch of the imagination. No. But no, they've, been, outsta- ask, they've cannot- been outstanding on the road, though. Yes, they have. Yeah. And you cannot ask the Warriors to go win four of those next five, including what? That would be three in Boston, potentially? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you cannot ask them to do that and expect to get a positive result. I don't see that one bit. Greeny, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Did not expect what we saw last night, but one thing I think we can agree on that we do expect, and that's Debo Samuel to be in a 49ers uniform this coming year. It's Canty and Carlin and for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. 
So I have to. Be, I actually have to believe an executive when he speaks. So many other times we've heard executives <laughs> say, "I'm not trading him. I'm not trading him. I'm not trading him." Chris, I believe John Lynch when he says, "I'm not trading Debo Samuel." Why? Because he said, "I'd have to be a fool to trade Debo Samuel," and I buy it when he says that. And look, for for what he does, he's entirely too valuable to the 49ers. The question is now, though, how do you make Debo Samuel happy, at least in the short term? Well, usually you would try to make a player happy by putting some more zeros on right. his paycheck. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the equalizer, right? That's the right. thing that the ultimate deodorant, if the situation stinks and a player is unhappy, just throw him a bag of money and, and everything is going to be all good. But, but is this about taking more carries away, the kind of thing I, that we've heard know. about I mean, Here's that? the thing, though. I don't know that if they pay Debo Samuel, they're going to deploy him or use him any differently. He's so valuable in the role they have him in. I, I don't know that it's just him being a receiver outside of the numbers. They're going to use him on jet sweeps. They're right. going to line him up in the backfield. They're going to put him in the slot. They're going to put him in proximity to the line of scrimmage, have him in a U position or hang right behind the offensive tackle. The, the, the fact that you can use him in that many different ways is what makes the offense for the 49ers a nightmare to game plan for. And as a defensive player, when you got a guy like Debo Samuel, no matter where you put him at, you have to account for him. It makes it tougher in terms of the different things that you can do, the different blitz packages that you can put together just because you don't know how they're using him. Is he going to be the running back on this play? Is he going to be the slot? Is he going to be the Z? Is he going to be the X? They move him all across the formation. And so if you take that element away from the 49ers offense, I don't know that it's that dynamic or is that versatile. And I don't know if Debo is that dynamic uh, if you do that. So I think for the 49ers, the role that he's in right now is how he's most valuable to them. And I think that's why Debo wants out, even though the 49ers are willing to pay him. But this is my point. So the 49ers, are they going to get to be able to – not pay him and get him to still do all that? That's what I'm wondering about. Or are they going to have to pay him right now? And are they good doing that right now? Is he, I assume that if he gets paid, that he's going to be okay with the role. Because at the very least, he will have gotten the contract out of it at that point and gotten the big money out of it at that point. Well, it's not just about this contract, though, Carl. And no, I, think I understand. And I think that's the assumption. It's He's about young career. enough that he can it's get another one. It's about career and longevity. Yeah. I mean, if Debo Samuels continues this kind of offensive output over 1,700 yards from scrimmage, you're not talking about just a one, uh, one contract extension. You're talking about another deal in his early 30s, too. But you've got to be a productive player at the end of the contract extension he's about to get. And I think that's Debo's concern. So I take the player at his word when he says he's not going back to San Francisco. So John Lynch and and Kyle Shanahan, they can take whatever stance they want. But if Debo Samuel says, I'm not playing for the 49ers this year, and he decides he's going to execute a hold-in, like what we saw from Jalen Ramsey, like what we've seen from Jamal Adams and most recently, I, I, I don't know that there's anything you can do. What can you do? If the player doesn't want to be there, he shows up, but he doesn't participate because he says he has a hamstring or he has an ankle or whatever, then ultimately the franchise has got a guy on the books that's not adding any value to him. So uh, to me, this is a situation where the 49ers should posture, continue to take the stance publicly that they're not going to move him, 
but all the while field offers and see what they can get from another team in a Debo Samuel trade. It's Canty and Carlin in for Grinny. Time for the progressive NBA snapshot. For that, we continue with you on your calls on Game 1 of the NBA Finals last night at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. David is up next on Grinny on ESPN Radio. David, what's up? Hey, guys, thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to uh, uh, say that uh, Chris Candy seems to be singing a different tune today about the depth of the Boston Celtics. Yesterday on his own show, he was a guest on his own show, he said that Golden State had more depth, and, and I called in to dispute that, and the guest host went on to say that, you know, that, uh, what is it, White, you know, what his offense wasn't very good, and that, Pritchard was a liability, and we Are saw you really going to take bows off of so, one game? Yeah, I mean, listen, Peyton Pritchard is a liability defensively. Yeah, is that is, is we, that we've is seen that, that in the playoffs? I, I didn't know. I didn't know that that was a debate. We were talking about how much of a problem it was to not have Marcus Smart early in the postseason, and how that was going to potentially don't 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 take bows after one game. That's a mistake. I still, Don't I still stand that. by it. I mean, I, I, I thought that Golden State. They are deeper. To, they're a deeper team. They are deeper. I mean, you're, you've seen it throughout the play postseason. They're eight, nine guys in the rotation. Boston, by and large, they're only playing seven guys. I mean, the guys, the starters, and then the two guys off the bench, Derek White and Grant Williams. Those are the guys that they're rolling with. Last night, Peyton Pritchard gave him some significant minutes in the fourth quarter. Nobody saw that coming. Nobody saw Derek White going five or eight from three-point land. We just didn't see it. It's not something that's going to happen all the time. Matt is up next. Matt, be better than David. Matt, what do you got? Yeah, uh, thanks for the call. Yes, sir. Got 20 uh, seconds. Go. My question is, I watched I watched the uh, the fourth quarter, especially where Curry was pretty much uh, manhandled down underneath. Uh, they seemed to be running uh, pick and pops or pick and rolls, getting Curry underneath the basket where everyone had to uh, to help. That's where they were getting all those open three-pointers. Look, it, it, the problem that we discussed is they were not getting clean looks under the basket. No, they couldn't get any points in the paint. And that was the biggest thing. That was the struggle for the Golden State Warriors. And the Boston Celtics knocked down a lot of open threes. Greeny, brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Get a business insurance quote online in as little as six minutes. Visit ProgressiveCommercial.com. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.